2: Play for free at
0: LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law.
2: 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hey, friends. Today's guest is my buddy, Joey Cape, lead vocalist for the Santa Barbara, California punk rock band, Lagwagon. Joey and I decided to break down the Lagwagon classic May 16th, taken from their 1998 Fat Records release, Let's Talk About Feelings. Joey described the pain behind the inspiration for the song, and how, at the time, he felt it was just another album track. He was very upfront in acknowledging the huge ripple effect that the video game Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 had on the song, and crediting the game for May 16th being one of the most well-known songs in the Lagwagon arsenal, as well as its lasting impact. I asked him if he ever feels awkward just being the singer and having to stand there holding only a microphone when his band breaks into dueling lead guitar solos for minutes at a time, and we certainly shared a laugh at his answer. And Joey was very humble in stating that while he may be the person who comes up with all the lyrics and chord arrangements on a certain tune, it's not until the rest of the band puts their fingerprints on it that it truly becomes a lagwagon song. This is a good one, so for all this and much more, I'll see you in the pit. Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. I feel that there's so much to talk about with you. I wanna get a little bit of backstory, and it's interesting. You know, I always assumed as a kid, before I ever met you, uh when I, you know, I was Listening to Lagwagon from your very first record, but I always assumed because you're on Fat Records that you were a San Francisco band. But you guys, uh, through my research, I guess you're from Goleta, California, which is just outside of Santa Barbara. Yeah,
2: Yeah, the original band was more or less Santa Barbara band. Goleta's a suburb. Uh, It should be pronounced Goleta. You got it right, everybody. (laughs) You know, it's California, so people say like. Gutierrez Street, and it's like, say Gutierrez, you know. And, it, it, <laughs> I mean, you know, you feel like an asshole if you order an enchilada at a place and you go, I have an enchilada, you know, like, you know, a, a burrito, you know, like nobody does that. So, whatever, California, I'm sure they do the same thing in Florida. But, you know, most of the band are from that town, Goleta. And I lived in Santa Barbara, and we all, you know, it's a really small town, Santa Barbara, this and the suburbs. So, we all knew each other you know, from other bands. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of those things where I joined a band that was already happening called Section 8. But yeah, we were from here. Thing is, now there are two guys in Lagwagon that, you know, Dave ron has mm-hmm. been in the band for 20 years or something. And he's a big area. Oh, yeah. He's a Northern California kid. And then yeah. Little Joe, who's been playing bass since 2010, he's a Northern California kid. I lived in San Francisco for like 25 years. We kind of did become an SF man.
0: That makes sense. Where where I had I guess a little confusion there, but you know, from when *Duh* came out in '92, you guys were just on a tear. From then until '98, when uh, *Let's Talk About Feelings* came out, and the song we're, we're going to talk about today, May 16, I mean, you guys were just everywhere. You were on the road. That's when I first saw you. I saw you at the Milk Bar in Jacksonville. Oh, wow, I think yeah. on the on the on the on the, on the trash on the trash tour. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys were just on fire. It wasn't until double platinum uh that you had your first lineup change. Yeah. Um, and that's when uh when Dave Ron came in and uh on this particular record and, and on May sixteen you had Ken Stringfellow of the posies, which I never knew that. Yeah. I was really, really su- really surprised to to know
2: that. Yeah. Well, i didn't know him then but we were we were fans of that band we listened to a lot of music i mean you're more likely to hear steely dan and the Lagwagon van than hear you know no or bad religion or something you know
0: uh-huh.
2: uh but yeah so we there was a phase where we listened to a lot of posies and our bass player at the time jesse knew ken and i had met him maybe a couple times and it was a real weird thing because we were already in the studio recording double platinum and our guitar player was just I can't do it I'm out he quit you know and I played a lot of guitar on that record Ken only played a little but Jesse just brought it up like why don't I call Ken and then we all sort of laughed like he's not going to want to be in a band like he probably does not like what we do (laughs) and he called him and Ken was like yeah I'm gonna get on playing I'll see you guys
0: which is so strange if you listen to the Posies Lagwag and Lagwagon, you can't There's, really get two no. different sty- stylistically yeah. from, from either band. That was really surprising Yeah, and it
2: turned out to be really fun. We did like about, I guess over a year, we did some touring with him and everything, and it was a trip. I mean, he definitely was overqualified and underqualified, you know? Like, you have to have some background in the music that our bands do in sort of the intricacies of, dare I say, metal, or something like Uh you have to have chops he's like way more of a guy that grew up listening to the stooges and it was all open chords there was rarely any palming or any of that sort of stuff however this guy could show you you know 20 different tunings on his guitar and like you try to learn the songs on the posies records and it's like i don't know what he's doing because the tuning is crazy and the chords are insane and so there's like you know, these different kinds of musicianship. And he was definitely the cerebral kind over here. And we're more of the, like, we got a little math rock in us, you know? And so I, it was always kind of a weird fit, but it was a really fun year. And I like what he did on our record. He added a lot of really weird sounds and, you know, kind of fuzzy sounds and stuff. And it makes that record unique.
0: Well, there was a lot of bands after you, and I'm not going to say they they ripped you off. That's not not what I'm going going at here. But, you know, you guys definitely were, I think, uh, a template for some of the, uh, you know, uh, Strung Out, uh, Propaganda even. And that was the thing that drew me to Lagwagon. I was a metal kid. (laughs) So you guys had elements of progressive metal. Derek's drumming was insane and of course dave's drumming is is just i mean just the feel and 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 you mentioned math rock it's like that progressive thing there was something about it and then you had these just sing-song melodies going over it that if you took away the double time drums you just heard the vocal melody it could be almost a carpenter song you know and i mean that with all my heart it's awesome and that's a great
2: compliment (laughs) because it's definitely the way i see it too you know I, yeah. I grew up listening to all this like 70s pop music with my parents and i guess folk and you know the other side was the beatles and simon and garfunk and all this stuff but i really liked the carpenters and i liked all that you know cheesy sappy 70s stuff so my melodies were always kind of drawn from that and it was like a little dirty secret but the guitar riffs were more from the black sabbath world you know or the iron maiden or you know like and then we had Derek, who, and a lot of the band, he kind of brought a lot us uh, into more. I also had listened to a lot of progressive music, but Derek was really into all that math rock stuff coming mm-hmm. out of like Chicago. And and so, you know, he was the guy that was like, let's cut this bar, it, it'll sound cooler. And, you know, so he, he, he brought a lot to the table. But it's interesting because it ends up sounding like a thing. But really, it's just a collective, you know, that's how band, a, a good band works that way, I think.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's it's everybody's influence. I would always laugh when when I'd get interviewed in the early days. Well, and, and even now, someone would say, uh, you know, what are your influences? I'm like, how long you yeah, got? Yeah, exactly. I got fi- I got five guys in this band. I, I grew up listening to everything from Neil Diamond to Slayer and, and everything in between. Plus, you, you can know?
2: say, you know, what's fun about that is you can say everything because you can also cite things not to do. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of music that I do not want to influence me. Yes. I do not want to
2: sound like, you know enter
0: so what what were those first five or six years like because when i i first met you guys i want to say it was 97 or 98 warp tour i'd seen you a bunch prior to that like i said the first time i saw you was in a legendary venue that, that less than jake played a bunch the milk bar in yeah. jacksonville uh you guys were just touring your asses off up and down the east west coast and everywhere in between it was back to back to back double platinum came out on August 12th, 1997, and just over a year later, uh, Let's Talk About Feelings came out. I mean, you guys were just rapid yeah. fire.
2: Well, I mean, you know, in the beginning, when we became a band, we rehearsed. It, we were we had a sort of militant schedule. We were a band that rehearsed five to six days a week because we were young and we loved what we did so much. It was just all we did, and it was all we thought about. And then if we weren't doing that, we were like skateboarding or whatever. You know, we were kids. and and. I think when we started playing locally, we would play all the time. And when we finally got an opportunity to actually tour, you know, there was like no question. We bought a band together, we fixed it all up, and we just went on tour. And and that became the new couch surf, you know? So <laughs> yeah. the first, I guess, 10 years, probably more like eight years uh, that the band was a band, we were just always on tour. I didn't even have a place to live. I would stay at friends' houses on their couches when I came home because there was no point. Right. I remember the first time we went to Europe, we only played in Germany and we were, we were lucky enough that no effects took us as support. And at that point they were just playing tiny venues, but they were packing them. We did something really smart. We did the, the run with them. And then we convinced the agent, Dave Pollock. we convinced him to book the exact same thing in reverse and we would rent a little van and go back to the same towns. And so we played and like a week or two later, we were like, Hey, we're back. I mean, it was like, I wish we could have done that forever because that really works. It always works to tour with a bigger band and whatever, but as you know, supporting a big band on their tour sometimes can be really an uncomfortable thing. You get a short set and you know, you go out and it's not really your people. When you get your own people like Les and Jake has or Lagwagon, you'd rather play for them because it's like, it's your party. But, but it, worked. it works when you do it as an immediate thing as a smaller band. It's a really good move if you're lucky enough that people want to come back and see you, but we were playing really well in those days. And, you know, we were so charged and I don't know, it worked for us. And then we had, we skipped something. Like, we came back and we had like a normal tour that a band would have that would have taken years to, you know, with a, a fan base that would take years to accrue. Like, it was kind of, it was kind of good. So, we didn't, I, I don't know that we really did that in the States unless you count the Warp Tour, because the Warp Tour does that for you as well.
0: I just remember, you know, when we did the Punk and Drublick Festival with you guys a couple years ago uh, over in Europe. That's when I was like, okay, now I can really see the the legwork, the footwork these guys put in uh, all those years back. Because you just that didn't happen uh, from a couple YouTube videos. That crowd had seen you guys before. It was it was really cool. Thanks for sharing. I, I felt it was important to get a little of that backstory and and set us up to, to getting into 1998 and this particular track, May 16, which yeah. is just. It's one of those fan favorites, and I do want to say, before we jump into the song, that, you know, I never knew until, you know, you got into your solo career, and even, you know, Bad Astronaut and stuff, I would see you playing, you know, acoustic stuff, and I you always assume as a younger person that, oh, he's, he's a singer. He doesn't play guitar. You know, I didn't know how integral you were to writing these songs cause I know how Chris Flippin can play. I know how Chris Rest can, can play. And uh, it's it's just, it's, it's really fascinating to, to, of course, get to know you over the years and know that, yeah, he does write these songs. And this particular track, May 16, uh, set, it, set it up for us. Was it written specifically for the Let's Talk About Feelings record or was it something you had prior?
2: Well, I should be really, you know, The humble part, you know, side of me and the honest side of me has to always qualify that with, you know, I do write my songs, I write the chord progressions and I arrange the songs and I do all these things and I come up with a lot of the riffs, but there are definitely instances like May 16th where Chris Rest, the lead guitar player in the band and I sat down and worked on that song and all that sort of flamenco kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. That he added, I mean, he, he deserves great credit for that. That that little, oh yeah, that's that. I had a break, and he filled it in with this beautiful, like, flamenco-sounding kind of thing, and it was like, oh my god, that made the song so much better
0: thanks for saying that because uh I, same thing with me i'll write these basic chord progressions and have a really good strong foundation of a melody but it's it's the sum of our parts that makes that song great as as a as a song for my oh, really. band and it's really cool of you to to acknowledge that just speaking of the choral arrangement and the lyrics of this one you know that's that's kind of more what i was talking about and it's just it was inter- interesting sure. to me to you know like I said, if I just saw a guy with a microphone, oh, he doesn't play guitar. That's what you think as a younger person. But but yeah, but it's, re- it's, it's really cool that uh, you know you've had a hand in, in writing a lot of these songs. So um, again, this one May sixteenth, where where were you at? Uh, was this something you wrote specifically for the Let's Talk About Feelings record, or, or something you had had in your arsenal for a while?
2: I just write a lot of songs, and um, it's just sort of my catharsis or whatever songwriting. You know, I I don't know, I I. I write songs, it's kind of what I do, more than anything else. It's almost just by accident that you end up in a band or singing. I ended up being a singer because I played guitar in a band and the singer was such a jerk when we were making our demo. He's the kind of guy that would show up with no shirt on and like two (laughs) girls, drunk, and we're like spending our hard-earned money from our shitty jobs, you know? And he'd be like three hours late for the vocal session so we ended up kicking him out and we all tried to sing the songs we were working on and i just kind of ended up singing a little better than the drummer did you know and (laughs) then next thing i know i'm in Lagwagon. you know i don't know like i didn't choose to be a singer i don't think of myself as a singer but i do write a lot of songs and i never i sometimes think now later in life i might think more specifically about a concept, and so I've been doing more conceptual work because it almost makes it easier when you can grab any subject matter in the world to have a sort of concept the band's going for, and then just like think about songs in in you know you make the world a little smaller for inspiration. But mm-hmm. back then I just wrote songs. I don't know that I had, and I certainly didn't have the title in mind because Jesse came up with the title of the record, but. I just had songs, and I wrote that song like you write any song. Something happens that inspires you, and you write it. And if you're lucky, it turns out to be a good one.
0: Right. Was this written around the time of the record, do you remember? Was it written at, at... Yeah.
2: Okay. So, you know, whenever... You know, I call it the well. Like, you make a record, you go on tour to support it, and then you're either writing some stuff on tour, or when you're home a little bit, you're writing, and maybe you're... You just suddenly, the band's, it's time to make another record. And you go, well, I have like 12 songs that I wrote. Should we check them out? And then other guys have stuff too. And then you draw from the well, you know, the collective well. But that was one of the songs that I wrote in that time period between, I guess, was it Double Platinum and that record? And uh, that one is the one that's resonated more than any other song I've ever written. But I think that's a lot, uh, largely is, you know, Tony Hawk
0: well tony yeah i was gonna say tony hawk helped that game <laughs> uh that
2: game is like it's like if you could have a song and a soundtrack yeah, like, it was... is it better to be in a movie or to be in like this really rad video game? <laughs> Tony <laughs> you know? Tony
0: Hawk's uh, Pro Skater Two with a song was featured on, uh, and it 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 has become a fan favorite. We uh, Lesson Jake has also been featured on that game, and totally. I I I get it. It's it 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 has legs, and it's, it's
2: hilarious to me because <laughs> the, the world we live in, it's not easy to to have like a hit. Oh yeah. In fact, in a weird way, your bands like ours don't really have hits, you know, we have fan fate, we have like song, like our our audience has songs that they respond to live and you learn like, okay, these ones gotta be in the set because they always crush live. And there's these other ways that they happen. But that was the first time we ever had and maybe the only time we've ever had a song where it was just like we'd start the song live and then the crowd would be, you know, this much bigger crowd that we started again. Yeah. They're just then then they're stoked. Cause like thirty percent of them they only know this song yeah and i'm like ooh, <laughs> i don't like this this is what it's like to be a pop band like a, yeah. a major like, label pop band like
0: yeah everyone comes back from the bathroom for the hit
2: the one song yeah. you know but luckily it wasn't that bad but but it's also something to be thankful for because it, it really kickstarted our band you know like it helped us a lot
0: certainly certainly yeah. well uh the one thing, and yeah, you know, everything I read on the internet, you have to take with a grain of salt, but I read something, there was a quote, it said that uh, Joey was influenced a lot by Punk and Drublick when writing this record, and that record came out like four years prior to this, and the only thing, the only reason I mention that, and I'm taking that quote, whether it's true or not, is the song... I think that's my quote, it, right? It probably is. The, uh, <laughs> the song, Linoleum, reminds me, not in style at all, but it reminds me a lot of this song in that This is a very strange arrangement in May 16th. It is just it is? It, it, uh-huh. to me. It is, yeah. We'll get it. We're gonna break it down in a moment. It doesn't follow your, you know, typical. You know, there's, there's really, there is a chorus, but it's not the focal point of, of this song. There's so much going on guitar wise, and it's, it's interesting that there's other lagwagon songs that I feel are a little bit more digestible than this one. And it's so crazy that this, right. this is the fan favorite because it's just, it's one of those tracks that's just arrangement wise is, is really interesting. And the song's two minutes and fifty uh, seven seconds. It opens with a 7 second, I call it the dueling guitars, and what I always loved about your mixes was you got a left guitar and a right guitar. It was almost like how the Iron Maiden records were recorded, you know, to where you could really hear what each guitarist was doing. And uh, those, I call them the dueling guitars, are pan left and right. There's some cymbal percussion stuff going on, really tasty stuff that Dave was doing. Uh, And at the 8-second mark, the band is in for two measures. And at the 28-second mark, there goes the guitar by itself with that cool little riff I think you were talking about that's just so killer. And then we're yeah. then we're straight into verse one, and it's interesting because verse one is actually a double verse. It's not just one verse. It kind of goes right. kind of goes in two parts. So I'm gonna break down the first half, and uh, I'll let you kind of kind of uh, uh, talk about the lyrics with us. No more waiting on them as you rise inside new rooms. It's official. You've gone. You can live for no one else. Man, the guilt must be huge. There's no gain in failure. You succeed at being mine.
2: Without being completely specific, a certain person I knew had had some success in their life. And some people, I don't know if it's a borderline personality trait, but some people, when they find success, they make a connection that I don't see, which is to sort of leave everything behind because it's got to all be new. It's like, okay, so I have it's sort of like a status pool, you know. Uh They're here. Then they find some success in life. And to them, they have to redefine themselves, I guess, out of insecurity to be this person that they are now. And by doing so, they sort of have to leave all of their their past behind them, including their friends. And this was someone I was really close to. And I, I feel like he basically just one day he was just not there anymore okay and uh yeah it hurts yeah and so that that verse is saying i see how you see it but the only failure is you're failing me like you and and everyone else that you know loved you you know your hometown pals you know
0: looking to elevate your music career DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia with its simple interface and customizable mastering options Artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting DistroKid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's DistroKid.com slash VIP slash Demakes.
2: It's happened a few times in my life, a few people that handle sort of fame in a weird way. I've never understood it. I'm not like that at
0: all. It's almost like they want to be perceived as what the the fans perceive them as or they think they're right. perceived as, so they can't be themselves anymore.
2: Some kind of weird rock star Kool-Aid shit, you know, that's like, you know, you grew up, like, I grew up seeing the spectacular in bands, you know. I understand that when you're a little kid, these 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 people that you love, these bands you love, they seem like almost like gods or something. Sure. But if you're intelligent... <laughs> you can separate that sort of fandom from uh, reality. You know you know that these are just people. And as you get older, and especially if you, if you are practicing in the field, you start to realize a lot of these guys don't have any money. <laughs> like a lot of these guys are like me. Like people like them, but I'm still going home to no place to live or whatever. Like I got a shitty apartment with like a 20-year-old couch that's got bugs on it. You know, I, I'm just saying so there's a lot of like image that goes with it and it's not too hard to imagine that that's possible. Mm -hmm. And what I find kind of interesting is how I would say it's a small percentage, but a small percentage of the people that find success in entertainment, they kind of go the Kanye West route. Like I have to be the golden God, you know, so their whole persona changes to fit this like thing to keep going. And I always looked at more like, I'm not that way. I'm way more, I, I, I don't want to name, I don't like saying names, but like, I think of it like Hemingway or something. No, I'm just who I am and I'm just going to keep doing it. And, and I have a really great work ethic. And if it works out and I'm successful, that's a bonus, yeah. but I'm doing this because of the art, you know, I'm doing this because this is what I can do and what I know and what I love. Yeah. And I'm not patting myself on the back. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it always kind of blows my mind when people that I was very close to go that route.
0: Interesting. And was the song actually written? And and before we go any further, I keep seeing the song on the record, uh, you know, on your Wikipedia page everywhere, written as May 16. I always called it May 16th, and I think you referred to it as that. Is that what... what, Yeah, that's that's what it is. Okay, okay.
2: Um, That's a typo. Also... (laughs) (laughs) I was never there, there are lots of things like, let's talk about feelings being inspired by punk and drub. I'm happy to let people believe that. (laughs) but that's not true.
0: <laughs> and I didn't think it was true. And the only reason I brought, not even slightly, not even slightly. No, are, and of course, you how, know, you are, how, how could you not be influenced by a record that was on your label? That was a huge record. Not that it was a direct influence, but of course you heard the record,
2: but yeah, but there's never like a specific thing. And my inspirations are, I mean, I'm older than Mike, if anything, we share inspirations <laughs> from our childhood, but you're really inspired inspired by your peer bands you know Mm -hmm. like maybe maybe there's something a peer band does that you go god that's really cool but because they're your peers you you know you might even make a conscious effort not to copy that
0: right right
2: not to like let that get too infused in your sound a lot of what happens is at the same time a whole bunch of bands are doing something and they're inspired by the same things from their past and one band does really well and one b- and the other band's just do maybe okay or don't do anything yeah and so there there are like a million bands that probably started or played at the same time as other bands that got really famous and they will probably always be you know just when people write about things that they didn't experience they're going to say well clearly this band was influenced by this band but yeah, there's a lot of parallels. Is what happens, you know.
0: Was the track actually uh, written on May 16th? Yes. Oh, awesome, awesome. Okay, I want to get into the second half of this verse now, and I I say second half because it really it, it kind of starts over, and and you say, yeah, old friend, see you there. I'll be proud from afar. I can't paint a yeah. picture, and right here,
2: I can paint a picture. I
0: can I can paint a picture. Excuse me, in a moment, and then it says of memories and there aren't many left. I am extradited.
2: So they're fading. This is this fading there? Your memories are fading. It's no, I'm not I'm not saying that's the oh. lyric. <laughs> I was like
0: sorry. I know I I I know I I think I know the lyric, but that's happened before on the show.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, the first time I corrected and I'm no, sorry. No, it's I okay, it's it. okay. But I'm also like commenting on what the lines mean, you know, to the Yeah, song. no, but and sorry, I, I want
0: to get into that for a moment. I was just reading ahead because I wanted to talk to you to see if you consider the part The line basically When it goes double well The drums go halftime On the line Of memories And there aren't many left I am extradited Uninvited I'm considering that Almost like a pre-chorus
2: Yeah Sure Okay so The chords are going Chords are going Major, minor, major, minor Yeah uh, You know Between the same chord And then it goes to like It goes to the like lift Yeah And the lift Is is a tiny pre-chorus Yeah Yeah, okay sure.
0: So that that's what I considered a pre chorus and, and, and Joey's agreeing with me here, so we're gonna call it a pre chorus one. I noticed a couple yeah. other things, and then I want you to break down the lyrics here that I just read. Very interesting placement of backing vocals. There's a harmony on moment, there's a harmony on the word words many and left, and then there's a harmony on the word uninvited. I know Ryan yeah. Green produced the record. Yeah. Was that something? Ryan came up with something you came up with. Really interesting placement, and why just those words?
2: I'll tell you, because I think that happens a lot and it happened a lot with Ryan. Ryan had a real gift for that kind of thing. What it was, was I would sing a harmony on the entire verse or something back then, you know, and let's just say that maybe I wasn't quite as, I think I've gotten much, much better at harmonizing, but sometimes even if a harmony works, it just, drags down the melody and the melody stronger without it. It's a we all learn this as songwriters yeah. like and so Ryan would do this thing that I'd never seen before, where he would just pick words. He, I I'd go, Yeah, I like that one. And you go, All right, let's keep that. And I'd be like, Okay, oh, I like I, that one. note sounds so cool. Yeah, we'll use that. And you're kind of like, okay, unless you really blend that stuff down, this, I, this is gonna be weird. To me, it's weird if it's like singing, singing, and then it's just like a harmony for a second and then sprinkled that way.
0: To me, it's weird and analyzing this song after being a songwriter for the past going on three decades, 30 years, Joey, I'm going to take a page out of this. I've never thought in these terms, you know, Roger, when he sings, I mean, we sing lines. We never just do one word here or there. It, sure. I, I think that that I want to borrow this at some point and try to do because it's really tasteful and it's really cool.
2: I think Ryan was just not really thinking about it. He was like, OK, well, you like that? Let's and we'll blend it and it'll sound cool. And, yeah, the funny thing is, once you start paying attention, you start to hear it in a, a old music that you like. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just one syllable and you go, wow, that's tricky. But here's the thing. I'm still to this day, not drawn to that. I'm drawn to like punches of doubles and punches of harmony. And I think that they, they, if they work really well, they do have a way of lifting the melody sure. up, like the kind of, you know, it, there's a, there's a real art to harmonizing, but, but yeah, that was a Ryan green thing. And, and I was very uncomfortable with it. But, but the funny thing is that he did that all over that record, I, I think. And, you know, it's like, I let it go because it, kind of works
0: no and for this track in particular it works brilliantly and like I said I've never you know thought of picking out one word or there and I I'm I'm uh, inspired to write a song and do some placement like that I think it's I think it's really cool it's interesting how you set up the first half of the first verse and getting into the second half here I want you to touch on these lyrics from what you said about about your friend that kind of you know perceive himself as something else this line really struck me now that i i know some of the backstory it says yeah old friend see you there i will be proud from afar like i'll watch you from back here but right yeah that's
2: awesome yeah you know it's sort of like you're gonna have to separate the art from your friend Uh, you know (laughs) kind of thing i guess but also like also i'll be here when you get when you get through this i'm still gonna be here that's how good of a, a friend i am yeah You know, I'll I'll wait for you to come down from whatever fucking weird mountain you're trying to climb. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the memories fading kind of part of that is sort of like, but that's a way of saying, but look, just so you know, there's a clock here and it's ticking. Like there's only so long I'm going to be loyal and wait. I
0: have my boundaries too.
2: Yeah. Like I can paint a picture from my memories for a while, but at some point those memories are fading and I'm, yeah, I'm not, I won't be here.
0: And that line, that last line now makes so much sense, too. I am extradited, uninvited. And on the word uninvited in the the pre-chorus, the drums go back to double time there from the halftime. And this is particularly long in a song to to get to the chorus. We're at one minute and 16 seconds. And the chorus is just one line, four words. It's just another Saturday. Yeah. Again, getting now we're getting into the range of where it's to me, there. I guess this is the chorus, but it's not really what you'd think of as a chorus. That's why I think this arrangement yeah. of this song is weird. Was there ever any talk between the band, yourself, Ryan Green, of we need more of a chorus here? Or was that always the idea?
2: I don't think so. But, you know, I'm a pretty willful person. And I, if somebody had thought that, they might not want to say
0: it. Yeah. I've been in the studio for like, you know what? I don't want to fight with him right now. No. <laughs> I'm out. gonna let that I'll just let this one go yeah. we'll get to the next song I'll pick my battles I can totally, totally but I relate
2: think, to that I don't think any of us thought like <laughs> this is a great song or you know that something's gonna happen with it it was just another song you know but uh but yeah I don't it's not too often in fact there's only been a couple producers I've worked with that kind of go that route yeah and as I'm older i much I really appreciate that now I like it when somebody says to me this isn't a chord. You need more here. Like you need a departure here or something. And then it gets it pushes me back to the drawing board. And a lot of times, even if they're not right, just because you're forced to go back and try to do something different, yeah, you end up improving it in some way. Anyway, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going back to the drawing board. In hindsight, like I really like the way that song works. It, the descending chords, and the sort of breakdown of it is sort of saying. This is the defeat, though. Uh huh. I'm defeat. This is, fuck, it's just another day. And know? it's
0: just another Saturday. I was going to say just now that that's where that lyric comes in. It's like, you know what? You're in your own uh, grandiose world of whatever. But to me, it's just another Saturday.
2: Yeah. Well, it's also me kind of lying to myself saying, well, you know, I'm okay with this. It's just uh... another day. You know, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, I-, I think that that's, yeah. But also Saturday was sort of the day a day that marks something that the part of it i can't talk about
0: fair enough okay
2: sorry to your listeners but but something happened on a saturday that was may 16th and that was the day i wrote the song and i wrote the song because something i saw and then it was like it was just so it really upset me yeah and i was in a friend's apartment and I just picked up the acoustic and just wrote the song. Okay. Because I was just, you know, you know, like sometimes good things come from bad things kind
0: of. So, thing. Yeah, good things come from pain sometimes. It's uh you know, when, the, yeah. when the, the the first record when the guy has nothing in the bank, he writes these uh gut-wrenching songs and the, the next record sucks cuz he's living on the hill in Malibu. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And you know, it's really weird. The older I get, and the more that you start to understand, like your weaknesses and your strengths, and and the things that happen. This is a good question for you. I mean, do you ever have this thing with Jake, where you guys, you've got an album written, and you're like, literally, like either going into the studio or you're starting, and somebody goes, you know, I got this song, and it's just killing me. Like, do you guys want to hear it, like. And you throw in that like 11th hour tune and it's like with us and with me in general it's always like one of the best songs on the record
0: <laughs> this is uh becoming a recurring theme on, on the show I, I yes i i every record we've ever done that happens it seems like
2: yeah it's like the simple one that just it's just it's right and then you just bring it in and luckily, it's usually for me an easy enough song for the band to go. Yeah, I mean, we can record that thing. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's much to it. And then you record it, and the album comes out, and it's like everybody's favorite song on the album. And it's like, I'm just doing this all wrong. I just gotta like, all my songs should be like farts, like involuntary. <laughs> 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 well, my my producer Chris was talking about
0: it the other day. He he was we were, we were going back and forth, and he was saying the exact thing you're talking about. Where, you know what? There's no pressure. You already got an album in the can. What's it going to hurt? Right. What's it going to hurt to record another one? You know, you let your guard right. down and all of a sudden this song just rises to the, 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 to the top because it, it wasn't really thought about it. was so just weird. full guttural feeling, you know, and that's yeah. really cool. The chorus here at the end, um, the drums are half time through, and at the end of the chorus, there's just this killer guitar riff again. And you got, you got it panned left, really moving. And on the right, it's just the chords that are moving with it. And there's this yeah. great snare buildup. And then you're into the second verse. Your- I want to get into these lyrics Take a step to freedom, you and her against this cruel world. Take a breath of shelter, then exhale. And then the next part's the pre-chorus, but I'm going to read these two. Uh, Trust and allegiance, liberate yourself from hell. And, you know, I don't know if it was written like this in the record, because I listened to this song over and over again thinking, am I going crazy? I always thought the word was against, you and her against this cruel world. But everywhere on the internet, when you go pull up lyrics, on almost every site except one, I found this. It says, you and her loathing this cruel world. Was that ever a lyric? No, and you know
2: I have said this, Chris. For, like, like "loathing"
0: and "against" aren't even anywhere near the same sounding I know. syllables,
2: dude. <laughs> dude can, I, can I tell you what I think the explanation is? Please, and I mean no disrespect for people of the world, but what I think is a band like my band has more fans in places where English is a second language than they do where English is a first language.
0: Interesting.
2: Again, no disrespect here, but also bands like mine don't have such a great work group behind them we have no we we just got a manager like a year ago <laughs> we've been band 30 years there's
0: no cross-referencing like, and checking
2: <laughs> right and so no one has ever you know i've been saying for 10 years to my band we got to pay somebody to go to all the lyric sites and correct their goddamn lyrics because <laughs> i'm not gonna do it it's too much work but there, there are literally so many of those where, because they copy from each other.
0: I'm glad this pisses you off as much as it pisses me off. I'm glad I got someone else in my corner.
2: Oh yeah, I hate it because sometimes I forget my lyrics and we're bringing an old song out and I, I don't have the album handy, so I go online and I go to pLyrics.com or whatever and I look it up and I'm reading that and I'm like, well, that can't be right. That's not, that's not even proper English. Yeah. So that yeah, that's you know. all
0: that's about, and that's interesting. You brought up uh that your fan base that this could be written by somebody in Italy or something, but I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, ag- exactly. Against
2: is and, and I and I cherish them for doing that. It's so sweet that people do that. You know, I mean, how lucky are we? Yeah, but you know, they definitely get a lot of the words wrong, and on every once in a while, well, loathing, like there's, they don't even sound. They're not no. even. Yeah, against like I I don't know what happens there, but hey, yeah there's a, there, this is the really funny part. There's a really rare occurrence where the thing they wrote is better. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> and then I change it. <laughs> I change it because it gets stuck in my head and I sing it live the other way. And I go, it's not my fault. It's fucking Leonardo's fault, man. Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: no, that, that is uh that's funny. You should say that I've had that happen when analyzing songs on this show. I'm like, you know what? I think the lyric online is actually better, but in this case right. I like against better. I, we're going to go with that. Well, sure. Um, you know, something you you spoke about with Ryan Green a moment ago about the backing vocals, which now really makes sense, is on this particular verse, and, and even the first word, the first two words of the pre-chorus, excuse me, uh, the last line of the verse, take a breath of shelter, then exhale, and then the first two words of the pre-chorus, trust and, all have harmonies on them.
2: Take a breath of shelter, then and-
0: So it wasn't just right. one word, it was a it was a whole sentence here and then two words. So yeah. again, you probably sang the whole thing and Ryan kept what he thought was the was the sweet spot.
2: Well, we decided together. I remember this well, and I, you know it's so bizarre because there's so many things I don't remember, but these things you're talking about, I remember very clearly. cool. I would like to have been the same way on both verses, but it might just be that the lead vocal, like the sound of that syllable didn't quite work with the harmony. Sometimes it's not, or maybe there was just something that was a little flat because there's something in the guitar. So the harmony's not sitting right. But the second time you do it on the second thing it's the same fucking notes but it works perfectly the whole lot
0: you can't explain well
2: i know and and most of us just go well we can just pan the harmony over there so it's more group vocally and even though it doesn't perfectly work it's like it sounds like a part yeah but this was one of those things where somewhere in the middle of those things and the way his technique that was what we had to do but the second time the harmony works. So we use the whole thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can't explain that. Yeah.
0: Something I didn't mention this uh, second verse here is only half of what the, what the first verse uh, was at the top of the song. So we're getting half here and getting into the second chorus. Again, the song to me, I don't say this in a bad light, but it's a very strange arrangement. We're back into the chorus now. And a chorus is usually where you're, if you're going to hear harmonies in a song anywhere. It's going to be in the chorus. There's no harmonies here. Yeah. It's just, again, it's just another Saturday On this, but then you say it twice. You say, It's just another Saturday. And on Saturday, the second time, the melody changes on the word Saturday.
2: It's just another Saturday. It's just another Saturday. Like I'm emphasizing it. Okay. That's what that was about. And it it needs to be alone because it's supposed to be naked. It's it's sort of like saying, Okay, all this stuff, ah. And then just like, ah, okay, it's so just another Saturday. Like, just relax. Well, that's know? really interesting. That's me talking to myself.
0: That's really interesting. You talk about that personal connection there where this this is you just talking to yourself. This is There's no harmony out of it. This is, just, yeah, this is you're, just me.
2: You're ranting about something that you're pissed off about, you know, that's really hurt your feelings. And you're you're really emotional. And then you take a breath. That's cool. You know, that's, that's kind of the way I see that dynamic. And that just can happen naturally or be you know intuitive or it can be calculated but i think it was just intuitive and natural in a way with that song because it was written in one sitting i want to
0: talk about the rest of the notes i have here and then we'll we'll wrap up the song and again cool. i'm going to use the word strange again joey because here at it. the 2 minute and 6 second mark we almost have a minute left of the song when you hit that last it's just another saturday with that uh, melody change on the word saturday that's the last vocal we hear in the song. You have another. You have another yeah. fifty-one seconds of this song going. <laughs> it's almost a minute of just music. And I got to thinking when I was when I was listening last night. I said, "Shit, you know, I, I've I've seen Lagwagon perform this song how many times? But I I, I really wish I could go back to Punk and Trouble and watch you. What the hell does Joey do for a minute at the end here? You know, so." <laughs> That's a, that's a long time on stage as a singer with no guitar.
2: Okay. So it depends on the venue. <laughs> and here's a really funny thing. You are so funny, man. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's so great. Cause I have to tell you, you know, it's like, it's like, Oh shit. I'm not a dancer. You know, like that's, it's like every night the same thing occurs to you. And so you end up developing a routine. That's something you can do, whether it's like, all right this is the part where I just kind of you know whatever like do a Spicoli dance you know or uh if it was the right venue for a long time when I was in better shape I would do a stage dive. ah okay because a lot of times it was the last song we played live so before the yeah. encore or it was the last song of the set so I just dive into the crowd and let the band have their little solo section yeah But, you know, then you play a festival and, like, if you want to dive, you're just going to fall 15 feet into dirt between the barricade (laughs) and the stage. So, sometimes, you know, I just, like, I don't know, it's just whatever I felt like doing. I mean, sometimes I just grab a drink that's on stage (laughs) and I just sit there and kind of, like, drink it with a straw and just look at the crowd like, what are you guys doing? Like, I'm waiting for my band to stop masturbating. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I don't know. I guess it just, it's, but it is a funny, funny thing when you first, because, you know, we have quite a few sections like Absolutely, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I have always tried to be generous when I write to those guys for them to have their, to shine. You know, we, I mean, I think more than a lot of the other bands that they were called punk we always had a lot of guitar solos. You know? Well,
0: let, let me get into that real quick. Okay. So the last 51 seconds here, which again, this is just such a strange way to end a song. The whole song to me is just, it's really wacky in an arrangement. And again, Tony Hawk, yes But barring that, it's just amazing how this song Because it just isn't as digestible as some of your other tracks that you have It just it just isn't sure. And you get here, okay. at the 2 minute and 14 second mark There's this killer descending guitar part That goes into this completely different drum feel And this is where it gets proggy, the progressive elements Dave just goes right. into this like crazy, just complete different time signature And at 2 minutes and 33 seconds, the intro riff comes back in intro progression comes back in the drums are now playing mid-tempo a mid-tempo groove with a guitar solo that's happening so this guitar solo's yeah. going on and then at the last flamenco
2: flamenco the kind flamenco of kind of thing yeah. Of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all, all of a sudden we're in like Andalusia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the last, yeah, the last five seconds from the two fifty-two point to the two fifty-seven when the song ends, the drums are double time. It's just this last burst of energy, and the song ends abruptly. Just awesome. Right. I can't, you know, and I, I, I do think about this when I, when I come across songs that are just, you know, kind of out there arrangement-wise, and I say to myself, what else could it be? And I can't imagine this song being anything else than, than what it is. And I, I mean that with the utmost sincerity. This it, it it's what it is. It's what it's, it's what it's
2: supposed to be. It's great. You know, I can't either. And you know, look, I know that you know what I'm about to say. A lot of times, these things just happen by way of band communication and and collaboration, and you end up with some sort of unique thing that you wouldn't have ended up with. I'm fairly certain that the whole outro and the whole intro including the acoustic thing before the kids are all mm-hmm. wrong, all was written by me and arranged by me. But what happens is you bring it to the band and you're like, and then I thought it would do these breaks. Da-na-na-na-na. And I might have heard that like, like it's an outro. We're going home now, yeah. like a blues song or something. But somehow when the band gets a hold of it, they're throwing all this stuff and then the guy's, I'm not going to do a solo here. You're like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> sure, man. Do your thing. Start soloing for no reason right there, you know? <laughs> but I, the thing is, when you hear it and everybody's put their stamps on it, it starts to get real weird, but you go, oh, but this is way cooler than my imagination. You know, I had this, like, pretty basic... Like, it may have just been my song, mm-hmm. not been at all unique in arrangement. It might have been much more simple sounding. So many of those things are just little things that the band does, you know? Maybe they're just in the microscope on a section and not really thinking of the big picture that you are you as the creator of the song you have this this wider view of it at all times so i don't know i think a lot of it is just incidental you know it just happens yeah yeah it's really interesting and and you i would love to take credit for being like you know man it's just my vision was just so (laughs) complex you know like i don't think so (laughs)
0: Well, in, in a sense, it was the basics were there, but then you brought it to the band and they added their they added what they added to it. And that's a that's a really great point that you made. The, the last thing I want to touch on is, you know, I don't know how long or when Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out. Do you remember how long the song had before it wound up on that? And I guess my question is, was this a fan favorite out of the gate or was it really the game that that, that, that pushed it? Or do you remember playing this and getting a reaction or, or people talking about the record?
2: I can't really answer that question because I don't know. It's a good question. Um, it's something to think about. But I don't remember I know my friend Brian was the guy that connected us to the, you know, to the what are they called? E E P A E A E A. I don't know, the the company that was putting out the game. Okay. And he said, you know, the Tony Hawk's doing this pro skater thing and they want to use the song. So kind of seems like they wanted that song so the album must have been out but i don't think it had been out long at all mm-hmm. and it certainly wasn't out long enough to know you know when you make a new record you know this sometimes you make a new record and you play some of the new songs that you think are the songs that play off that record and they do okay but they're the new songs even if they're better than anything you did before it's going to be after the next record that those songs on the record before yeah. start to become fan favorites or whatever super weird how that works you know and like sometimes you even know ahead of time they're gonna like this they just need a few years (laughs) yeah but uh but you know that one hadn't become i mean really we have to cite and credit the game for i think the popularity of the song because otherwise it just would have been a song on our record and it may have become a song that we played every night the way maybe violins from Haas became Razor Burner. There's, there's songs that we play like pretty much every night we play. Yeah. Because if we don't, people get pissed. You know? uh, yeah, You you, and,
0: you you go see Lagwang, and you want to hear May Sixteenth. I mean, it's just
2: it. It's just, yeah, it's just we what it we is. Got, we have to play. Yeah. it. I don't think there's ever been a show since that song came out that we didn't play
0: it. Well, you, you answered you answered my last question, and, and and I just want to thank you so much for for hopping on. I know you've been uh, been busy lately. Thanks for for making the time. And do you have anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Uh, anything solo, Joey Cape? Uh, anything
2: with the band going on or? Would I feel a little bit bad if I didn't say, I don't know. I've been, I'm, I mean, I'm making a new record, but okay. Whoop-de-doo. Joey Cape's making a record. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I want to hear it. Am I, am I, am I not
0: any, am I not somebody? Come on.
2: No, I just mean like, you know, it's funny to kind of like promote something or talk about something, you know, especially when it's not going to be out for a long time. But I did make a record in, in lockdown. Okay. Uh, like I think around March, I realized early on, I said, okay, this thing is going to have legs and I'm going to be. And by the time I moved down South with my folks, I'm living in this little tiny room, you know, which is almost like a a cabana thing next to their pool or whatever. It's So cool. I just was like, I had gutted the studio up in San Francisco and it was all in storage. And I thought, I'm going to go up there i'm going to get all the best stuff i have and i'm going to make this tiny little studio on the corner of the room and i'm just going to record and and write and make songs and then i got a few months into it and i came up with the title for the record and just started writing only about the experience Mm -hmm. and i'm just about finished i'm going to the studio right after this i've got maybe i don't know another week of tracking to do and it'll be done awesome man yeah and i'm really excited about it it's cool to write And I played every instrument on it, and I've I've never done that. I played the drums and and the bass, and I even played some, like, lap steel. And, like, there's things that I'm playing on it that I'm not great at, but, you know, I'm doing okay. It's fun.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, uh, everybody out there, keep your eyes peeled for the new Joey Cape uh, solo record, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it. And, uh, again, man, thank you you for hopping on.
2: Yeah, I know. Appreciate it, Chris. It was fun.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. The end of the show here's a band you might not know welcome to this week's band you might not know if you'd like your band to be considered for Krista makes a podcast all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow you might not know at gmail.com. this week's featured artist is a punk rock band from New York called Neck Scars you can find them online at Facebook and Twitter and you can find their music on Bandcamp here's a snippet of their song Born Sick
2: I was made by
0: Ramp with Chris and Chris.
1: Well, that was super awesome. Lagwagon is easily one of the most respected bands in our world of music, and among my group of friends. And a large part of that, which I think you touched on a little bit, is like the progressive nature of their music. They're basically a prog punk band.
0: (laughs) They're their own thing. They really are. And I'm so glad Joey didn't take my head off. It came out of my mouth. And I I instantly thought, what did I just say when I said, you know, you got this prog and it's it's got the punk elements. It's almost Iron Maiden, with the. it's almost metal. And then, like, there's these Karen Carpenter melodies, you know, (laughs) for anybody out there who knows who the Carpenter is. Carpenters are. It's about his uh, sappy love song, lovey-dovey uh, '70s, uh, you know, contemporary rock you could get.
1: But but Joey totally, uh, totally embraced that. It was, it was neat. It was cool to hear him talk about everyone bringing their own element to songs that, you know, I think for the most part Joey is the main songwriter of Lagwagon, but it's all those influences of all his bandmates that he was talking about uh and it made me laugh when he was talking about you know the solo happens later in the song and just thinking about (laughs) when he went sure man start soloing there for no reason (laughs) i thought that was funny because it the, the song is so cool like people obviously love this song but like joey said the song became this way bigger and crazier thing when he brought it to his bandmates and how cool is it? And I know you've had this experience. I have this experience all the time when you bring an idea to your bandmates and they all put their touches on it and then it just becomes that more magical. You oh, know? yeah. I've constructed demos I, I, that I in my head, I'm like, what
0: more could there be here? This is as great as it's going to get. And then the band puts their fingerprints on it and it becomes this other animal and it's just so much better. Uh, conversely, very few times I've done demos that I think were better than end up on the record. It it could go the other way, but very few times. It's usually the sum of its parts, which I mentioned in the episode. And, and again, kudos to Joey for, for being humble enough to realize that, yeah, you know what, I can come up with a, you know, the chord arrangement and the melodies and pretty much a a concept for a song, but it, it's really when the other guys get in there that it becomes lagwagon.
1: Hey, something I thought was cool that you guys talked about in this episode was not overusing harmonies. I remember when my band first learned (laughs) how to use harmonies in songs, and it was harmonies on everything. That was our (laughs) that was our trademark. You're you're all of
0: a sudden, all of a sudden, you were the Eagles.
1: Yeah, it was just, and (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say I don't like that necessarily, but there is a matter of being tasteful about it and using it effectively because if you use it effectively, then it's going to have that much more of an impact when you do use it. This song is a perfect example of that.
0: Yeah. And I meant what I said to him. I I, I took a page out of this song today. I really, and I filed it away and said, you know what? I want to, I want to put a harmony on a word here or there, and try to shake it up a little bit because usually it's like, oh, this line needs a needs a harmony, or this whole pre-chorus or this whole chorus needs to be harmonized. And that was really interesting how uh, how they came up with this. It was it was literally Joey singing on a bunch of stuff, and and Ryan Green's ear was taking him to certain words and saying, you know what, that lends itself to a harmony. I thought that was really
1: cool. Yeah, something else you guys talked about that I <laughs> I was laughing is talking about being which. I really have never been. I don't think that you have been, but being a standalone singer in a band, that's, a, that's always been the dream is to be the guy holding the mic and, you know, <laughs> running around and jumping like that. that's awesome. But it is funny to think about what do you do when you have a one or two minute section of a song where you don't sing, so you got to do something, you know? Well, when
0: you're Axl Rose, you go behind the amps and get, have a wardrobe change and have a shot of whiskey, but in Joey's case, you know, uh, it, it's funny. When I brought that up, he, he had a little bit of a chuckle and a laugh with it. He says, yeah, you know, uh, and, and it's funny. I, I even mentioned it uh, early on in the episode that I just, you know, as a younger person, a younger musician, I just figured, oh, that guy's a singer. He can't play guitar. He can't play keyboards or drums. And how wrong could I have been with that? You know,
1: It's funny, the negative light that I put on standalone singers for a bunch of years. I feel like I was real jaded about standalone singers. I'm like, <laughs> you don't even play an instrument up there. You just sing as if that isn't very, very hard to do. You're using your vocal cords as an instrument and you're breathing and... It's an, very much an art in itself. Some could argue it might be the hardest instrument to play if you want to do it well. I mean, maybe it's not harder than a harp, but, <laughs> but it's up there uh, <laughs> to be able to not only be a technically proficient singer, but to also have something about your voice that makes it stand out, you know, that you can't even teach that, I don't think.
0: I've always maintained that the drummer has the hardest uh, job. You're swinging all four limbs; yeah. it's a real cardio workout. But uh, it could be. I could also argue in the same breath uh, about the singer because uh, I, I I can relate to that as being a singer. There's just some nights where. Your throat doesn't want to work as well as it did last night when you were in Chicago. And, man, you still got to deliver.
1: Those people paid the same same amount as the last night, and it's, it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> right. Joey was saying in his younger years that he would stage dive at that part sometimes. And I was <laughs> yeah. thinking, have you stage dove?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah? I, I have, but it's been many, many years. I think the last time I did was on my birthday in Japan probably over a decade ago now. Uh, we were, God, I think we were in Nagoya and I turned around and I threw my wallet out of my back pocket and like my my uh, wireless pack and maybe maybe my tour laminate over to my stage manager at the end of the set. and He's like, what are you doing? And I just look at the crowd <laughs> and I took off and thank God they caught
1: me. Yeah, so. yeah. it it could be a, a dangerous thing that I'm surprised still Exists today. <laughs> it's definitely a, a strange thing to feel a bunch of people's hands all over you and like jumping into a sea of sweaty people. Ah, the things that we do in the rock and roll lifestyle. But I've definitely yeah. done my share of stage dive. I've had friends, I don't think I've done this, but I've had friends that do stage flips that the flips oh, in the it. crowd like yeah people don't give a fuck
0: diving off speakers <laughs> diving off balconies I, I i've seen it all yeah. but I, I it's safe to say that that uh that stage dive in 2008 or 9 or whenever it was that was that's was probably my last one right um you know it was my birthday the booze was flowing at the end of the set and uh, yeah. i remember waking up the next morning and the first thing i thought of was like thank god i didn't you know throw my shoulder out or break my uh, you know collarbone or
1: something right uh, the The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm not gonna disrespect Joey by even speculating with you, but you can't help but wonder who's this song about and so w- yeah. we're not gonna, we're not gonna get into that, but I more or less wanted to talk about have you had this sort of experience, like a friend who's gone on to more success and then maybe become a different person, and you know you feel like you don't know him anymore a couple instances,
0: yes. Uh, and and much like Joey, I I, I I'm not going to divulge who that is. Right. It's it's not it's not fair because I realize as I've gotten older that maybe my perception of that person has changed right. as well. Right. Um, you know. And and I also can be man enough now to say that I don't know what it's like to have three bodyguards and a private jet and have uh, people pulling at you. You can't go to the go to the store with your with your kids because you're you're getting mobbed. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that does to a person, you know, but I have experienced that. I have experienced where, you know, this this guy was a buddy of mine. I'm kind of getting rock started right now. Like, you know, hey, it's Chris and Les and Jake, you know, can I come in the dressing room? It's like the manager comes and I'm like, nope, he's not talking to anybody. It's like, and, he, and I made eye contact with the guy. It's like, dude, we, we used to hang out and yeah. you know. But again, I can I I have to be able to be mature enough and know that there's another side to it.
1: If that makes sense. I've had that same exact experience that you're talking about where it was someone I considered a friend and went to the show, and then it was security guards and stuff, and they're like escorting me back, and I'm like, what? And then that awkward situation where it's like, oh, things are different. And, you know, I have a sort of I don't know if you want to call it character flaw in myself that that I already have anxiety about is that. I need to get over this a little bit, but I always feel like I'm bothering people. And 99% of the time, I'm sure that's not true, that if I called up somebody that I knew back in the day and said, hey, it's Chris, they'd probably be like, hey, man, what's up? Just like I would be with anyone, but I never want to bother other people? If that makes sense. I think
0: I, I think you were raised right. And I think you were taught manners. I feel the same way. I've never wanted to be an imposition to somebody. I've had people, we talked about this before the show earlier, Chris and I were chatting, that I've had people want to cash in, meet a cash in favors for them. Hey man, I'm doing this charity. Can you hit up this really popular band for me? I know you know them. And it's like, oh man, I don't want to do this. Yeah. You know, I don't want to impose just because I know somebody uh, or use my quote unquote star power to, to get something done. So I, I can completely,
1: completely, Completely relate to what you just said. Yeah, it feels strange. And uh, you guys touched on one more thing, which we have to mention is... The impact of Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two, I guess, and and one. See, I didn't have that generation of PlayStation. I, I kind of, I went from like Sega Genesis. Then I didn't play games for a few years. Played that game at some friends' houses and stuff. And then I think I got like a PlayStation Two around the time that remember Rock Band. You ever play Rock Band? Oh yeah, dude, Rock Band, so good. Although the one thing (laughs) is a little bit of a tangent. I can't. I think they did make this eventually. But how cool would it have been if Rock Band it actually taught you how to play guitar? Instead of hitting matching color buttons, I always thought that was one flaw in Rock Band. But that aside, it was fun as hell. But uh, my point being about Tony Hawk is, yeah, that really elevated this song to the next level. Just like that series elevated that Goldfinger Superman song. <laughs> you know that song? Oh, the yeah. the, the Tony Hawk,
0: uh, uh, you know, pro skater. Has I, I said it has legs. To this day, fans come up and say that oh, man. The first time I heard you, we had uh, uh, that all my best friends are metalheads was in the first one or second one, and then later we had uh, uh, a song called That's Why They Call It a Union, and we were just on the latest game. I think it's maybe the fourth installment, nice. or maybe maybe it's more than that. With a song called uh, Bomb Drop off of EP we put out a couple years ago. So we're uh, luckily we're still getting invited to be on uh, Tony Hawk, and, and and maybe uh maybe this will. I don't know. Open up uh, new doors to fans. That's ultimately what it did for Lagwagon.
1: That's the coolest thing ever, man. I've always had a dream that I wanted to get a punchline song on either Madden or NHL. Like that was, <laughs> that was two things. Hey, you know, what's funny is uh, Chris Number Two. I don't know if he told me this or I'm hearing this secondhand, but I talked to Chris Number Two from. Anti-flag before about having very specific goals for your band. Not like, hey, I want my band to be bigger or, you know, not vague goals but specific. And I believe either he told me or someone else told me that a big goal of his was to have an Anti-flag song on on NHL because he loves hockey so much, plays hockey, loves the Penguins and everything like that. And then he he got that. They they were on there and I I for me that's always been a big goal too. So, man, That's awesome that you guys are on the Tony Hawk games, man. That's so cool. Heck yeah. And speaking of Tony Hawk, skate right on over to KristaMakesADifference.com
0: for this month's fundraiser for May, which is the CURE, LGMD2I Foundation. Uh, Limb-girdle muscular dystrophy type 2I is a progressively debilitating disease, and uh, their foundation provides funding for research programs to establish a treatment for this disease. So again, please head over to KristaMakesADifference.com and uh, give whatever you can. Your support and generosity is much appreciated.
1: Yeah, man, just do a kickflip right over to com and make a donation. Like I've said the last couple of weeks, this is a fundraiser that's near and dear to me. My good buddy, Tony Hartman, actually has LGMD2I, and he also has, I want to give it a shout out right now, he has a really cool podcast where he features people with challenges such as LGMD2I. The podcast is called Good Nature. You should check that out too, but go to com if you can Pitch in a buck, two bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever you can afford to pitch in. It all adds up and it all goes to a good cause.
0: That's right. And uh, speaking of adding up, we're adding up some uh, impressive after parties uh, episodes right now for our VIP program, which is called Supporting Cast. And uh, please head over to Chrisdemakes.com
1: and you can find out all the information for that. Uh, we're really excited about it. I'm sure that one episode of Chris Makes a Podcast is not enough for anybody out there. So, so... If you go over to ChrisDemakes.com, join our VIP program, and you can get one episode every other week, or you can get an episode every week, depending on which level you pick. And also you'll get discounts on some upcoming Makes, a podcast merch. And uh, also we'll throw in some surprises here and there. And uh, also, like I've said before, for the price of buying Chris and I a cup of coffee each month, you keep us making this podcast, bringing you great guests and uh, you'll keep us making this podcast forever. Hopefully we're, we're a very important part of your week each week. I hope so anyway. I hope so too and the great thing
0: about the supporting cast and the after party episodes is they don't f- have to follow or be about songwriting they can literally be about anything and so far we've we've uh, talked about some r- great tour stories uh, when less than Jake toured with Bon Jovi and it's uh, you know the fans and the feedback has been really great people seem to really like it so it's a lot of fun
1: yeah hell yeah it is man and hey Chris before we go I just want to tell you happy lagwagon day man if you're listening yeah, to, if you're listening to this when the episode came out it's lagwagon day Happy Lagwagon Day to you, man.
0: Happy Lagwagon Day, and thanks to Joey Cape for sitting in with us. We'll see you next week.